Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, the men's accessories marketplace. Cufflinks.com aims to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each day. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. Whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Disney, all that great stuff, or the sports stuff, NCAA, NBA, NFL, or, of course, the classic wearable art, the amazing high-quality Hook and Albert Oxen Bull, and, of course, their own Cufflinks.com brand. We encourage you to elevate your look when you get dressed in the morning. It helps to make you feel more confident and create your individual style. Go to Cufflinks.com DVR today. You got a list? Send it to me. The film list at gmail.com. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of The Film List. I'm your host, Heath Solo, presented by the DVR Podcasting Network. The Film List is exclusively on this network. And if you uh, like to check out more what we do, the content and future content to come. We've got a few things in the works I'm very excited about. Go to DVRpodcast.com. All right, so I've been counting down my top 500 favorite films of all time. Yes, of all time. And I'm going to give you a little little Easter egg at the end. I don't know if it's an Easter egg. Easter eggs these days, what are they? Um, Everyone finds out everything. But not only... I'm counting down my top 500 favorite films, but I'm also going to list my top 1,000 favorite films. Whoa, whoa, Heath Solo, what are you doing? You can barely get through, you know, five films. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into I'm just going to list 1,000 to, to uh, 501. At the end of the pod, I'm going to list 10 um, for my thousand. So basically, we're doing like in Lost flashbacks, like current times, Lost Revisited now, flashback, the Lost Revisited, whatever the heck it used to be called when I did Lost 82 podcasts in one. Uh, so just so you, we can eventually meet uh, at 501, and then by, by the time maybe I'll finish. But it, I mean, this is going to take years, but. It's content for a long time. So what we do here is I play the trailer, talk about it. We talk, I talk briefly where I saw it, who I saw it with, a uh, little box office, little tidbits from my viewing pleasure, and uh, talk about some of the cast. And our favorite segment is I look up things, the awards live. I have not looked at the awards, and we see if you know my, the movies I love won a Golden Schmo Award, or a Razzie, or a Golden Axel Award, whatever works. Okay, last time... Ooh. Hello. little buzz. I feel like it was Ghostbusters now. Ghostbusters is way more down the road. I feel like I got buzzed by Peter Venkman. Um, we last left off at 463, a film Ricochet with Denzel. So now, 462... And here's the trailer. Coming soon to a theater near you. Oh, thank God. The preview has been approved. My daddy left us. 
I was only six months older than you are now. I don't remember him. You will remember me. Warner Brothers. Jackie Robinson. A black man in white baseball. I want you to know I'm there for you. Yeah, my heart. Think about the abuse that he's going to take. Your enemy will be out in force, but you cannot meet him on his own low ground. What you gonna do if one of these pictures throws through your head? I'll duck. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my words and circle this day. Negroes are gonna run the white man straight out of baseball. This ain't the America I know. You hear me? If they knew you, they would be ashamed. If Robinson can help us win, then he is gonna play on this ball club. You don't belong here, and you never will. Get off the field. Brooklyn Dodgers ain't changing our way of living. You're wearing me down. You are not the only one with something at stake here. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. Brooklyn Dodger them. I jack, I rob, I send. Oh man, I'm Jackie Robinson. Set when I run base, I dodge the pen. I'm just a ball player. You a hero. Watch you look in the mirror. This is a white man's game. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. But I'm a Brooklyn boy. I may take some getting used to. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. All right, the movie is 42. Oh, great film. Um, came out in April, April 12th, 2013. I saw this with my pops. We do, uh, well, we have to put it on hold, but we've been doing our baseball trip where every year we go to new stadiums. Uh, we're almost done, actually. We started in 07. Uh, we were, I forget what city we were in when we saw this film, but we were on one of our baseball trips. Well, it would have been whatever the 2013, oh man, I'm not sure, but we saw it together in the theater somewhere in the United States. Uh, in 1947, Jackie Robinson becomes the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball in the modern era, where he is signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers and faces considerable racism in the process. Uh, director Brian Heglin um, stars Chadwick Boseman. If you, if you don't know him by now, Black Panther. I, uh, I'll admit, I, I, I didn't forget he played Jackie, but I, I you know, when when I was uh, playing the trailer, I'm like, oh my god, that's right. Like, just one of those weird, like, oh my god, he's so good as Jackie Robinson. Uh, T.R. Knight, uh, Harrison Ford plays uh, Branch Rickey, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and. I'm actually upset that Harrison Ford or Chadwick Boseman didn't get nominated. Uh, I believe this film is well shot. Um, oh, sorry. sorry, Peter Venkman got me again. Uh, this this film is very well shot. 
Uh, the acting's fantastic. But, I mean, Harrison Ford and Chadwick Boseman are phenomenal in this film. And I really thought Harrison Ford would get a nomination. Um, unfortunately, with the Academy, I had a feeling Chadwick Boseman wouldn't. But he was he, he's just straight up in this movie. And the story of Jackie Robinson, I mean, what the man went through to break the color barrier in baseball and how he didn't fight back and he played and he took so much abuse. I mean, we can't even... I mean, the movie shows a lot of it, uh, but, you know, the threats and what uh, he went through and stuck with it. Um, I mean, it, it, it is the most... Probably the most legendary sports story uh, about, I mean, just what had happened. I mean, <clears throat> I often I have, like, my all-time favorite baseball team. I always go over it, and it changes very slightly as the years go on. But one of my rules is you have to have you have to saw the uh, player play. Uh, but at, so second base, Jackie Robinson played for the Dodgers. I so want to put him there. Um, he's probably my favorite. I, I, I unfortunately I've only seen highlights um, in documentaries. But man, Jackie Robinson and, and, and I love the line. Uh, uh, Lucas Black pace, plays uh, Pee Wee Reese and. Uh, one of the big things Pee Wee Reese did and was known for, like Jackie Robinson's out there filling ground balls, and he's getting booed. He's getting you know name called, the whole kitchen sink. And Pee Wee Reese, who's a white uh, player, uh, goes and stands next to him, talks to him while he's getting harassed, just to 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 make him feel part of the team. Just to it was just the humanity of what Pee. Pee Wee Reese did because so many people backed off or didn't want Jackie on their team, uh, and you know it sucks because you know what we're dealing with. We've been dealing with racism in America for a long time. I don't want to get political on the film list, but um, this movie opened my eyes. You really get a sense of what Jackie went through in this film, um, and and if you can't shed a tear, and and if you can't after seeing this movie, like, oh my god, this man was incredible. You, you, you're not human. <laughs> um, Chris Maloney plays Leo DeRocher. I love me, little SVU, Chris Christopher Maloney. Okay, so Alan Tudyk from Firefly, amongst Dodgeball, everything, plays Ben Chapman. And, oh, it, it's a tough scene to watch, because Jackie's, like, the whole time he plays the manager of the Phillies, and the whole time, I mean, he's just calling them the N-word. And he's just, and you're like, how could, how could this be? You know, 1947, uh, you know, different times. But it, it's very uncomfortable, and you hate the Ben Chapman character with a passion. But I give credit to Alan Tudyk as an actor because this isn't, a, I bet you a lot of people did not want to play this role unless he was the first choice, which, you know, sometimes, you know, it always happens where, you know, someone, I mean, but for him to take this role and do that, I give him credit uh, just because, I mean, you watch this movie and you're getting, you know, a lot of times people can't separate church and state and actor from role. And, and, so, and so I hope you didn't get a lot of hate mail. It had to be done in this film. But uh, kudos to Alan for, for tackling this role. And he, I mean, he, he's, it's tough to say he's phenomenal and such an awful character. But you know what I mean. Like certain characters are just, when, when people, you know, they perform and you hate them so much, they're doing their job. Um, John C. McGilney plays Red Barber. Red Barber, sorry, a little. Uh, James Pickens Jr. is Mr. Brock. Uh, really, uh, uh, Nicole Berhe 
Bear, Barry, maybe Barry. Uh, Rachel plays Rachel Robinson. She's really good. I uh, just love this film. Um, let's see about um, how well it did. <clears throat> so the budget was forty. Excuse me, forty mil. Did twenty seven point uh, four. It's opening weekend. It made uh, ninety five million in the U.S. Only ninety seven worldwide, uh, but ninety five million. So it was uh, much much success. And I remember. I mean, I really enjoyed this film uh, as why it's on the list, of course. But I'll, okay, award time, baby. Let's see. So <clears throat> it was a nominee in the Acapulco Black Film Festival. Uh, won African American Film Critics Association, the AAFCA. Uh, top 10 films won 10th place, I guess, of that year. Uh, Black Reel Awards, Chicago Films Critic Association Awards, Most Promising perform- Performer, Chadwick Boseman, uh, but no, Image Awards, but no, a lot of, you know, stuff here and there. Satellite Awards, Harrison Ford got nominated, but nothing Golden well, Golden Globe wasn't going to happen because the Hollywood Foreign Press, press and it only cost two million to make. Uh, but ah, just disappointed awards, man. That's why I used to love awards, especially in the '90s when I was in high school, knew I wanted to be an actor, was going to college, coming to LA, the whole Oscar thing. But I don't know. I, I mean, I love the Oscars. Don't get me wrong, and I always will. But there's been some years where I just get pissed off that certain and this is one of them i mean i i I thought it was academy worthy and i I don't know what you have to do sometimes um but this deserved more uh critical acclaim than it uh got but 42 man such a great film all right coming in at 461 is a film i did i don't I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think I saw a screener of it. Yes, I saw a SAG screener of it. Watched it in the privacy of my old home in Burbank. So here's the trailer, and then we'll talk about it. Hello, trailer. Takes place in 1985. Texas. Mr. Woodruff, you've tested positive for HIV. Have you ever used intravenous drugs? Have you ever engaged in homosexual conduct? Homo, homo. Did you say homo? You made a mistake. That ain't me. Mr. Woodruff, we estimate you have 30 days left. Newsflash, y'all. Ain't nothing out there can kill Ron Woodruff in 30 days. The drugs, they just released for testing, and I know this hospital's one of the sides. I need it. It doesn't work that way, Mr. Woodruff. Where are you going? They got good meds out of Mexico. It's better than what you can get here in the States. This is protein, totally non-toxic. And you can't buy this in the USA? Not approved. You could be making a fortune off of this. You look great. Actually, I look amazing. Anything to declare? Nada. They're importing illegal drugs for sale. It's a very serious offense. They're not illegal. They're merely unapproved. I've been looking for you, Lone Star. Listen, Tinkerbell, unless you got more cash or new clients, I'm busy. You don't deserve our money. Cut you in. 5%. 25. Take it or leave it. Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. You treating these people? I don't treat them well, I ain't selling drugs. I'm selling membership. Walker, your shit. 
These are patients? Yes, sir. They're also the names of players on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> That's a hell of a coincidence. Hell yeah. What the hell is it? I have a court order permitting us to confiscate any and all non-FDA approved supplements. We need a new supply. Check Amsterdam, Ghana, and Israel. We can do business with you. Why are we here? Nice restaurant, beautiful woman. That's where I feel like a human again. Mr. Woodruff, what is going on? People are dying. You're nothing more than a common drug dealer. TJ Strayon. Freaking homo. The Dallas Buyers Club comes in at 461. This was the headline of the McConaissance. Uh, my boy Matthew McConaughey hits it home, uh, wins the Oscar. Uh, so I believe so did Jared Leto. Yeah, I think they both won. Well, we'll, we'll confirm, but I'm pretty sure. So in 1985, Dallas, electrician and hustler Ron Woodruff works around the system to help AIDS patients get the medication they need after he is diagnosed with the disease. Uh, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. Uh, like I said, it came out November 22nd, 2013. Stars the amazing Matthew McConaughey, uh, Jennifer Gardner, Jared Leto, Steve Zahn, Dallas Roberts, Griffin Dunn. Has, he's pretty cool as the, the uh, guy in Mexico, doctor in Mexico. Um, J.D. Evermore as Clint. Oh, J.D. Kevin Rankin is TJ. Dennis O'Hare is Dr. Savard. Oh, Dennis O'Hare is really good. This movie, it, it, I, I love it. I mean, I guess some people say, oh, the performance is great, but the movie sucks. I thought the movie was great. It had a lot of emotion, a lot of heart. McConaughey steals the show. But also Jared Leto, or Leto, Jared Leto, Leto. Let me go with Leto. Uh, Jared Leto's, I mean, he's phenomenal. Just watching the clips of him... Uh, Wow, yeah, I mean, he 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 was remarkable. Um, it was uh, you know just you know an uncertain time in the mid '80s with the AIDS virus and uh, what he did, Ron Woodruff, to sell memberships and treat people who couldn't afford it. Uh, just an a, a amazing story. But McConaughey, man, this this is a performance that I hope years from now still gets mentioned because he's fantastic. I mean, he takes his McConaughey-isms, he takes his 20-plus years, close to 30 years, of of his hard working as an actor, and he just brings it home, and it's the perfect role, the perfect storm, perfect supporting cast. I mean, Jennifer Gardner, who I love since Alias, uh, I mean, she's a great supporting actor, actress or actor in this and uh you know great um i mean just a, a really good quote. michael o'neill plays richard barkley michael o'neill i love he's you, he's one of those recognizable faces he's been in a lot of stuff he, he he's one of my favorite character actors um i should check out michael o'neill on the imdb he's been a ton of stuff you've seen him in every probably show and every movie uh Really, really, really talented. Uh, but yeah, this movie, man, uh, just really 
brings it home. And, and like 42 on this list, it, wow, it just, uh, you know, watching the trailer again, because I haven't seen it in a few years, but it just, ah, man, it, it, a lot of emotion in this film, and you really feel for the characters. And, uh, man, it just, uh, you know, that, that scene where he, he's out to dinner with Jennifer Gardner, and he's just like, you know, I want to feel normal again, beautiful woman out to dinner. And you just like, through the times we're going through, staying at home and uncertainty, um, we all have our facets, our different facets of what's feeling normal again. And, I mean, him, he, he's basically dying. Uh, no, he is dying. Uh, just prolongs, of course, uh, which is good. But uh, it, it just, I mean, meaning he's alive longer than they gave him 30 days. Uh but it's just like that moment, right? Little lines like that, little moments like that tear you up. And it's just like, yeah, normal. What, you know, you know, a lot of times we can't get out of our heads and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, but to have those moments where you just laugh and you feel like a human, uh, even though you're faced with such adversity and the end is near, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, that moment got me. So, uh, let's see. It uh, budget was only five mil. Uh, wow, that's that's small. Uh, opening weekend only two hundred sixty thousand. Uh, made twenty seven million in the U.S. Fifty five worldwide. Um, so technically it was a hit. Uh, you know, but the budget was so small. But wow, I thought it would have made would have made more money. Maybe maybe it did on you know DVD or streaming. I don't know if streaming was big in 2013. I can't even remember that far back. 2014, probably a little bit. But I'm sure it did well. Uh, but, it, you know, I did do, considering the budget, it did really well. Uh, okay, let's confirm the awards. Actually, we have real awards for this one. Six Academy nominations. Um yeah, uh, Jared Leto won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. McConaughey won Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role. Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling won. I was also nominated for Best Motion Picture of the Year, uh, Film Editing, and Original Screenplay. Uh, McConaughey and, Le- and Leto won for the Golden Globes uh, in their respective categories. Uh, and they also won the Screen Actors Guild. And uh, the whole cast was nominated uh, for a SAG award as well. Um, so it went, it went, uh, it won AAFCA, Jared Leto won. Uh, I mean, there's just tons of awards. This was a big awards, critic award, uh, uh, basically, you know, for the acting with Leto and McConaughey and they, they swept up so many awards. So cool, man. Dallas Buyers Club comes in at 461. All right. The next film coming in at 460 is a film, very close to my heart. Um, it's ah, it really is. Now it's a foreign film, as I've included. I I will have foreign films on my top five hundred slash top one thousand. Uh, I decided to go because there's so many foreign films I do like. Uh, so I, fi- I figured put them in there. Uh, this one's a foreign film from the Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia back in the day, 1964. Now. The trailer, I think it's just music. So let's play it. I may talk a little bit, end it early. Here we go. So it's an old Western. People are fighting in the bar, going crazy. 
guy with a top hat with a cigar. He whistles. Drunk guy shoots. Fighting stops. Enough fighting, fellows. Miss Tornado Lou is announced. A little sense. Got the bartenders mixing a drink. Weird mix contraption. Guy drinks it. That's the whole thing. Oh, salt. Okay, salt. Eating the glass. Oh, there you go. Slams the glass down in the bar. Říkal jste sklenici kolalokovi limonády cizinče? Říkal pistolníku. Then you are lemonade Joe. No a? So what? People look on. The bad guy plays with his fingers for the fly. Lemonade joke. All right, so the film, it's a Czech film called Lemonade Joe, came out 1964. Uh, looks like, well, it says 64, but it was released. Uh, November 25th, 1967. It's an adventure comedy musical. Straight shooting Lemonade Joe cleans up a Stetson City in this musical parody of early westerns after shooting the pants off the villain Old Pistol. Joe, uh, endorsement of Colaca, Crazy Cola. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Oh, wait. Crazy Cola, Lemonade as the refreshment refresher that assured deadly aim convinces the Arizona Sintown to abstain from alcohol based on the 1963 Czech stage production uh, but triggers whiskey uh, maker Duke Badman's brother the devilish gunslinger Hogo Fogo comes to save his sibling saloon from Joe's allies father and daughter uh, Temperance Revelis the Goodmans okay sorry I didn't read that very well. Okay, so it's a, par- a musical parody on the old westerns. It's in Czech. Uh, Karel F- Fiala plays Lemonade Joe. Uh, I'm not gonna about to name the rest of the cast just because my wife will kill me for getting the uh, the Czech wrong. But so when I first went to Czech for the first time about five years ago, uh, and I met. My wife, Lady Solo, her family, uh, her, her dad spoke some English, but mostly translation during the time. And that's actually when I went and asked for his hand and you know his blessing, so I could ask his daughter to marry me. Uh, we watched this together, just me and him, 
I watched it with no subtitles. It was the original Czech version. And, uh, but you don't really need the dialogue to figure out what's going on. And it's just so outlandish and funny that it's just, it, it actually cracked us up. I mean, he loved the movie, but I, I, I really enjoy this movie. I actually bought it. I have it with subtitles here. Um, but it, um, it really hit at home because, uh, you know, fortunately, the next year my father-in-law passed away, so it was the, I only was able to spend a couple of weeks with them. Uh, and this this movie really, you know, is dear to my heart. And uh, it, we were able to watch this and, with the language barrier, enjoy a film. Uh, moving pictures uh, didn't matter what the dialogue was; you could tell what's going on uh, easily. And it was just how. It was the first time I really shared a movie with someone who didn't speak that much English. And we, uh, you know, watched it together, laughed, and it really bonded us. And uh, so it really uh, stuck with me. Um, we watched it at his home, and uh, it, it was just some great memories there. And, you know, those two weeks is really all I have to hold on other than Skype calls and stuff, but in person. So... Lemonade Joe uh, comes in at 460, and uh, you know it probably will move up the charts through the years. But you know, top 500 is you know small percentage in its own of all the movies I've seen. Uh, but this one, yeah, it, it really uh, you know just watching the trailer and stuff, it just it's cra- it it makes me happy and sad at the same time. Um, you can actually it's it actually. You can get it on Prime Video. Uh, so if you have Prime, it's available. So if you want to check out Lemonade Joe and have a laugh at a Western parody, one of the best I've seen, uh, check it out. Okay, so coming in at 459 is a film from 2007. Underrated film. Really enjoy this film. Own this film. Saw this in the theater, I think by myself, in 07. And uh, here's the trailer. You're your own man now, and the decisions you make are yours and yours alone, from here to the end. Let me tell you about the last two kids I had that gave me hope. You two guys could choose any graduate school in any field you want. I think you're missing the point, Doc. But that the Army's a better gig? These events are going to define our lives. Well, I'll tell you, right now, that is a dead-on statement. Six years ago... You were the first to call me the future of my party, and this is me returning the favor. To discuss what, exactly? To see if you'd like to write an honest-to-God story again. What's the story? Do not believe everything you read in the papers. The enemy is getting stronger. The enemy is getting uglier. Lieutenant Finch, you and your boys good? Roger that, sir. Rodriguez? All up, sir. Glad to hear it. You will introduce the enemy to the full measure of American mean. Are we clear? Sure. You've already sold the war. Now I'm asking you to help me sell the solution. Lock and load! Senator, what have we been doing for the past six years? What is relevant is the implementation of a new strategy. Two minutes! Don't you think it might be critical to examine how we got to this point? How and why is not the issue now. We have to move forward. So when does it start? They didn't land at their objective. Where did they land? Crash landed three kilometers south on the plateau. 
There are people all over the world, every day, who are fighting to make things better. If it takes 10 years, that's how long we stay. We do whatever it takes. Says the man in the air-conditioned room. They bank on your apathy. They plan strategies around it. Charlie Tech is alive. It's here to my boys. The problem is not with the people that started this. The problem is with us who do nothing. It was all right there if we had bothered to connect the dots. Do you want to win the war on terror? Yes or no? This is the quintessential yes or no question of our time. Can they see us? Yes or no? The film Lions for Lambs. Injuries sustained by two army rangers behind enemy lines in Afghanistan set off a sequence of events involving a congressman, a journalist, and a professor. Directed by Robert Redford, writer Matthew Michael Carnahan, the cast, which is freaking outstanding, Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, Tom Cruise, Michael Pena, Andrew Garfield, Peter Berg, Kevin Dunn, Derek Luke. I'm going to stop there. There's other great, uh, good supporting day players, but that's the gist of the cast. Uh, I saw this in the theater, as I said, and of course I went because, oh, Tom Cruise. And then I was like, wait, Meryl Streep, Robert Redford. And the connections in this film, uh, I don't want to give it away because I don't know how many people have seen this that are listening today, but it it's like a great stage play with, you know, Cruz and Streep going at it. You got a young Andrew Garfield, who I didn't even know, who, you know, then this was his, probably his, kind of a breakout role for him uh, before Red Riding Trilogy and, um, of course, Spider-Man. But uh, him and Redford, he goes toe-to-toe with Redford as a student, and he's just bored as hell, and they get into this conversation, the connection with the professor and the two soldiers and what's going on. It, it is a really uh, interesting story. Uh, I haven't seen it in a few years, so it'll be interesting to watch it now. Thir- you know, 13 years ago uh, it came out. Uh, but performances are great. It's, you know, it's a quick 90-minute film, uh, but well done, and uh, it... it there's there's a really emotional scene, a very emotional scene in this that you know everything kind of gets connected, and really hits at home. Oh, today's emotional countdown day, uh, but Lions for Lambs, huge 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 fan. Uh, my boy Cruz is in, of course. You got Redford and Street. I mean, it's remarkable. So, budget was thirty five mil. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Dallas Buyers Club five mil. <laughs> This one, 35 mil. I mean, the star power. It, very interesting. Uh, opening weekend made $6.7 million. It only grossed 15 in the U.S., but did have a 64.8 gross worldwide. So this was really popular uh, away from the United States. So uh, interesting there. Let's see. Our famous awards doesn't look like many. Uh, AARP awards for Best Actress Meryl Streep, a nominee. Uh, International Film Music Critics Award for the composition, the track Late Shift by Mark Isham. Uh, (laughs) 
Look at this one. The Alliance of Woman Film Journalists Awards nominee Meryl Streep for Actress Defying Age and Ageism. Okay. All right. So this did not go over well with critics. Didn't do well in the U.S. Uh, I love this film. I, I really enjoyed it, and I've seen it a couple times since, and I'm really into it. Again, it seems like a theme here, uh, you know, the acting uh, really uh, is getting me in this block of films. Uh, but really enjoyed Lions for Lambs, and it comes in at 4.59. And if you have stars, you can check it out. Uh, I don't think it's streaming anywhere else, but who knows these days. All right. Next film coming at 4.58 is a film I saw in college. My freshman year of college. Wow. One of the early ones from the college days. So it came out in 1993. Uh, great soundtrack. I bought the soundtrack before I saw the movie because, of course, Pearl Jam was on the soundtrack. Uh, but here's the trailer. It's a little dated, 1993, but I think you'll get a sense of what the movie is. And we'll talk about it. Nobody is taking dates. It's a bunch of guys going to a boxing match. That's it. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I know your friends. <laughs> They're the hormones of high school kids. I'll be home early, okay? Promise. What <laughs> do you say, fight fans? A night out on the town. A heavy traffic jam. Tell you something, I'm not going to miss this fight. And one wrong turn. We've circled this block about 300 times. Yeah, enough for this scenic route. <laughs> what the hell was that? Ah! Been shot. They're coming after me. You gotta get me out of here. We can't just sit here. Come on. They got guns, John. You broke rule number one. Do not steal from me. Oh, boys, rule number two. No witnesses. are going to be here any second. The cops are not coming. What's up? You punks crazy or something, man? Chill out, man. We're just looking for some citizens. Don't move. Don't whisper. Don't even breathe. These guys don't give up. Oh, Frank, is this your wife, huh? I get a wife and a little girl, and I will get back to them tonight. Let's show these punks what we got. You better believe it. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Hey! You're just another victim. Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary. No, Frank, after I kill you, I think I'm going to pay a little visit on that wife of yours. Ah! Judgment Night. You coming? Little Judgment Night, baby. Came out October 15th, 1993. Four friends on the way to a boxing match get caught in heavy traffic. So they take a shortcut in order to get there faster. Unfortunately, it leads to them witnessing a murder, which leaves them running for their lives. Way before GPS, folks. Director Stephen Hopkins. Writers Lewitt Colick for the story and Jerry Cunningham. Uh, who wrote the script? Let's see who wrote the script, shall we? Lewis Kolick, who had the story and wrote the script. Look at that. A little story credit and writing credit. It stars, of course, Emilio Estevez, baby. Um, 
Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary, Stephen Dorff, Jeremy Piven, Peter Green, Michael DiLorenzo, few good men. Uh, who else we got? Gail Gorge. Uh, what a wow. Where's, uh... Oh, Christine Harnos as Linda Wyatt. I like her. She's good. So, Judgment Night. And let's see. Judgment Night. Budget was 21 mil. Opening weekend made a grand total of 4 million. And only made 12.5 in the U.S. Really? Wow. That's disappointing. I love Judgment Night. Uh, it's one of those tales you're, you know, guys out. Witness a murder. Now they're in the city, and they're fighting for them lives. And it's just—it's just a cool movie. And the soundtrack is the greatest. It, it combined rock and roll and rap. So you had like De La Soul grouped in with a you know rock and roll band, uh, Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam, uh, you know, Body Count, and you know it just—I I can't remember all the uh, Runny MCs in there. It's just, it's, you know, mixed with, like, some heavy bands. Uh, it was pretty great soundtrack. Still listen to it from time to time. Uh, but Judgment Night's one of those, it's one of those great rentals, man. I, I loved it. I remember one time, it was funny, you know, freshman year, I had a car with, you know, up at Syracuse. And so me and three of my buddies, we were driving around. We were, actually, it was the first time I ever went to a strip club. Uh, you know, well, I'm not going to go here. No, no, no. Not a big strip club guy. I've only been a few times about it. Just, eh, just not my thing. Uh, but um, we were driving around. We didn't know where the hell we were, of course, George. And my buddy goes, shoot, this is like Judgment Night. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. Uh, <clears throat> I think we actually saw it that night. And then we went to the club after. I think that's what happened. So we had our own little Judgment Night uh, going around downtown Syracuse somewhere new to me but uh you got a great cast you got a little uh judgment night man uh dennis leary playing the bad guys really good uh emilio and cuba and steven dorf young steven dorf man love that steven dorf true detective baby all right so judgment night comes in at 458 all right here's a fun one at 457 this man has a secret ambition i propose to end the domination of silicon valley Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. And a secret weapon. We're not sure about her. Name's Mayday. Someone will take care of you. Oh, you'll uh, see to that personally, will you? There's only one man who can stop them. Who could it be, guys? Roger Moore? Roger Moore? Is he in English, sir? Out! 
James Bond. And I'm Dick Tracy, and you're still under arrest. <laughs> In the world of high adventure, the highest number is still 007. So, A View to a Kill, latest Bond film on the countdown, comes in at 4.57. Saw this in the movie theater as a kid. First Bond movie I ever saw. Came out May 24th, 1985, day before my birthday. Uh, wow, it's two hours and 11 minutes, PG. Um, the recovery of a microchip off the body of a fellow agent leads James Bond to a mad industrialist who plans to create a worldwide microchip Monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley. Directed by John Glenn, writers Richard Maybaum and Michael G. Wilson, stars Roger Moore in his final Bond appearance. Uh, Christopher Walken as Max Zorin, Tanya Roberts as Stacey Sutton, Grace Jones as May Day, Patrick McNee as Tibbet, former Avenger, British Avenger, Patrick McNee. Uh, we have Allison Duty as Jenny Flex, Desmond Lewin as Q, Robert Brown as M, oh, Luis Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. So, yeah, first one I saw in the theater. This is where, I mean, the Roger Moore Bonds, I mean, Bond always had the comedy to it and certain things. Um, it really got in the Roger Moore days it really the sign of the time 70s to 80s really became um uh you know comical especially this one it's you know you got Christopher Walken I'm going to control Silicon Valley Bond Will you Dick Tracy so it just it it had the great elements it, the kind of comedy adventure even though it's action, adventure, thriller, there's a lot of comedy in this one. Uh, there's one shot where Bond takes a car and he it gets hit, and it, you know the top goes off, then the back goes off. He's driving this little car. That was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's just it, you know we have so many different Bonds, and you know my favorite Bonds have become the Daniel Craig ones. Uh, of course, Sean Connery Bonds are up there. Uh, but I, I always, as a kid, I loved Roger Moore Bonds because on VHS I was watching Moonraker and Live and Let Die and all the Conneries, and then I saw this in the theater, and I loved Duran Duran, so the song was awesome. And So, yeah, a little Bond comes in at 4.57, View to a Kill. Good fun movie, good fun 80s action comedy. Uh, oh, California Girls song was on Beach Boys. Um all right, let's see. 
was a $30 million budget, five less than Lions for Lambs, uh, you know, 25 years later. Opening weekend, 10 mil, it made 50 U.S. But it says worldwide as 50. See, I don't think this IMDb stuff, I don't think the worldwide is right. I mean, I don't know how a, a Bond movie didn't make any money worldwide. So that, that's got to be... Um, that's got to be off. I don't. Uh, so we'll just go with the U.S. We won't. I'm realizing the worldwide gross might not be up to par, but yeah, that, I mean, for that to make 50 mil in the U.S., which is you know 20 million over what it was, uh, but I, I gotta believe it made a crap load more worldwide. I would think at least double. Bonds are pretty big worldwide. I don't see why they wouldn't release it worldwide, or and no one would show up. Um, so, especially in London, you know, in Great Britain and France. But uh, let's see. Oh, it was nominated for a Golden Globe. Wait, we got some awards for a View to a Kill. Probably Duran Duran. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Duran Duran, View to a Kill, Best Original Song nominated. Golden Globes did not win. I wonder what the hell won that year. <laughs> uh, Best Science Fiction Film, Saturn Awards, our favorite Saturn Awards. Bambi Awards at one, Film International. I don't know, William Bogner. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Razzie Awards, Worst Actress, Tanya Roberts. Poor Tanya. Uh, some Satellite Awards in 04 for Best Classic DVD Release, part of the Bond 50 collection. Or, according to this, James Bond DVD Collections, Volumes 2 and 3, so not even the Bond 50. All right, so View to a Kill comes in at 457. Mr. Bond. All right, so coming in at 4.56 is a film that I really enjoy. It's outstanding, and it's a recent film from 2017, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, The film is called Molly's Game, and here's the trailer. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? be amazed this is a true story but except for my own i've changed all the names and molly my weekly poker game is moving to the cobra lounge you'll help run it i was in a room with movie stars directors and business titans they were going all in all the time thank you molly this is for you thank you so much stop paying you. my assistant. You firing me? I'm not firing you. I'm just going to stop paying you. You get paid once a week from the game. It doesn't seem fair. You're going to stop paying me because I'm making too much money doing my second job, and if I say no, I'll lose both jobs because it doesn't seem fair? You don't have bargaining power here. You are unimportant. You know how many witches were burned in Salem? How many? None. They didn't burn witches. It's a myth. They hanged them. The humiliation had given way to blinding anger at my powerlessness. I wasn't going to wait before I put a plan in place. I'll be hosting a game in this suite every Tuesday night. First buy-in, 250000 That's going to make noise. Let's play. I spent eight years in Hollywood and two years in New York running the world's most exclusive and decadent man cave. 
Have you seen the other names in your indictment? Come on, Marty, just how deep into the Russian mob were you? Your exposure is crazy. You got 2.8 million on the street right now. You're gonna get blown up. You managed to build a multi-million dollar business using not much more than your wits. I'm about to be charged in federal court. Well, nobody's perfect. There's a new offer on the table. Complete immunity. We hand over the hard drives. You've seen what's on those hard drives. Families, lives, careers will be ruined. Why are you in this alone? Where are the people you're protecting by not telling the whole story? I'll tell them everything they want to know about me. About me. That's it. Molly's Game. Jessica Chastain. Phenomenal in this film. Uh, came out January 1st, oh, 2018. Well, it probably was released a little bit in 2017 for uh, award season. Uh, the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier, ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. Directed by Aaron Sorkin, written for the screen by Aaron Sorkin, based on Molly Book's Molly Book, Molly Bloom's book. Uh, so yeah, Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner as Larry Bloom, Michael Cera, uh, Chris O'Dowd, Jeremy Strong, J.C. McKenzie, Bill Camp. I like a little Bill Camp as Harlan Eustace. Uh, a few other people, good actors. Really great film. And Jessica Chastain really uh, is amazing in this film. Who, how can you not love Idris? Um, I remember I, I, I knew of Jeremy Bloom, her brother, who was also a big skier uh, and went to Colorado and was a football player, and he was drafted by the Eagles. Um, and, and then, so that's why I put two and two together, and I was like, wait, Molly Bloom, is that the same? Oh, sure enough, she was a skier, got hurt. Um, and just really uh, amazing, the poker game. <laughs> <laughs> that she ran. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, it's just am- amazing how much money she made, but got messed up with the wrong people. Uh, but it's a, a very good film, uh, well written, of course. Sorkin, the Sorkin pace, the acting. Uh, Jessica Chastain is phenomenal in this uh, as Molly Bloom. She's pretty awesome. Uh, it was a budget, another $30 million movie. Opening weekend made 2.3 and only made 28.7 in the U.S. But again, according to worldwide gross, it made almost 60 million. So whether that's these are I guess unofficial numbers. So it did well. Uh, it did all right. And around award season, uh, it did really well. Uh, uh, Sorkin was nominated for uh, an Academy Award for adapted screenplay. Uh, Jessica Chastain and Sorkin for screenplay got nominated Golden Glows. No directors. Um, let's see if it won. You know, a bunch of critic awards, Detroit Films Critics Society Awards. Really, it's an Aaron, uh, Aaron Sorkin as a screenplay and Jessica Chastain as actress, uh, Best Actress nomination. Uh, but, you know, no directing. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, tons of, tons of critic award nominations um what's really interesting if because this is a true story if you michael Sarah plays like a big-time actor a very famous actor who's the center of this poker game at times uh 
and he brings in a lot of people. She does, but it's like a lot of people, you know, rich people just want to play with him because he's so famous. And so I looked up, like you can Google and because who he's kind of portraying. Because they say the Cobra Lounge is code for the Viper Room, famously uh, on Sunset Boulevard, uh, outside where River Phoenix passed. Um, and uh, so you look it up, and it looks like the consensus out there is Toby. It's really Toby Maguire was the big, um, what who kind of Michael Sarah plays, but also I know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were involved in these games. Uh, again, internet research. Don't know if it's true, but it kind of makes sense. The way Michael Sarah is kind of seems like a Toby Maguire, uh, but that that's interesting. Uh, in itself there, but really freaking great movie. Oh, God. Sorkin just does it again. Uh, really underrated film. And Costner, when you think about it, because Costner plays the overbearing dad who's not the great... You know, for him to play this role, and there's a little, I guess, there's a scene in there where there, there might be a little, you know, where they have a heart-to-heart, but it's not your typical Kevin Costner role. And What's interesting about Kevin Costner is, I mean, he was the biggest movie star known to man, and then I think after Waterworld, it kind of went south a bit. But, I mean, what has gone south, you know, I guess not bankable. But through the years, I mean, through Yellowstone and through, like, Mr. Brooks he did, that was kind of a sort of a comeback movie for him. But, I mean, really, a guy like Kevin Costner is a really, like, I mean, there may be some downtime, but really it wasn't like he... Um, you know, I, I think with directing and getting too much power and big budgets and having the bombs, I don't know. I guess, um, you know, but he did some great movies after it, like Firefly I liked, uh, the movie. Uh, not the, the, well, I do like the TV series and movie, but the uh, where he goes to see if his wife's, you know, his wife gone missing. And uh, Perfect World with Clint Eastwood, I think. You know, that might be before Waterworld. But, um I don't know, I guess, but now, you know, for a Kevin Costner to do supporting roles like this, it's kind of like what I envisioned my boy Steve McQueen, who was a lead actor, died at the young age of 50. It would have been interesting to see what Steve McQueen would have done later in life, uh, movies. And you would think a lot of supporting roles, um, you know, a big-time leading man, and then go to the supporting roles. And, you know, to have Costner in this film, you know, it's just, he's... He, he does a good job. He, he plays against type in a sense, um, like of uh, other things he's played. So it, I love seeing when big time actors like a Tom Cruise in Lions for Lambs, or you know a Costner in this, um, or you know like a Bruce Willis in Nobody's Fool, where he went away to kind of get his mojo back for being this big action star, and he did Pulp and nobody's fool and he kind of got back on track just people like wow that's right bruce willis can act um and not just do the bruce willis things that he's paid to do as a you know an action star uh that was an interesting time for bruce willis in there but uh it really got him back on the map so i love seeing those types of big stars do littler roles but really shine and uh costner costner's good in this and of course you gotta love Idris elba who I think should be the next James Bond after uh, 
uh, Daniel Craig. I think he'd be the perfect choice. I think it's, it'd be perfect. I, I don't know if he'd want to do it. I know there's the rumors, but he'd be the perfect. Plus, he's British. Uh, but I, I just Idris is like the man. Ever since The Wire, I was like, this dude's got it, and he's such a huge star now. Uh, and uh, so he's in this film. I mean, but Jessica Chastain, my God, she's... Uh, she's becoming one of my favorite actresses. Uh, big fan, big fan. So, Molly's Game comes in at 4.56, and that's where we're going to end it. So today on the film list, uh, we counted down number 462 of the movie, 42. 4.61 was the Dallas Buyers Club. Number 4.60 was a foreign film from the Czech Republic, Lemonade Joe. Number 4.59, Lions for Lambs. 4.58, Judgment Night. And 457 was A View to a Kill. And 456, Aaron Sorkin's Molly's Game. All right, and now I'm revealing my top 1,000. I'm going at the end as I do the write-ups, the write-ups, the uh, podcast about my top 500. I'm just going to list top 1,000 go down. So I'm just going to list them week to week, about 10 at the end, and then uh, just not talk about them. I'm just going to list them. So they're there for uh, the record. All right, so coming in at 1,000 is Pretty Woman. 9.99, Double Impact, the Jean-Claude Van Damme dual movie. 9.98, Captain Phillips with Tommy Hanks. Number 9.97, 10 Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. 9.96, Another Earth, Britt Martling. 995, the Woody Allen film, Hannah and Her Sisters. 994, Birdman, Michael Keaton's comeback. 993, the musical Chicago. 992, the 80s film Wildcats, Goldie Hawn, Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes. 991, the recent film Bohemian Rhapsody with Oscar winner Rami Malek. And number 990, you'll have to wait till next time on the film list. All right. So thanks again. Thank you, DVR podcaster patrons and listeners. Remember, go to DVRpodcast.com. Go to patreon.com slash DVR and become a patron. Uh, We need your support to continue with this podcasting network as transitions are happening and with the world, we see it, but it gives us time to create more content. So spread the love. And uh, let's get some more patrons out there. And leave us a review. It just helps us on Daily DVR uh, just get noticed and get people, oh, this podcast is recommended. So leave us a review, five-star review, whatever stars, little write-up. Heath Solo, you stink. Heath Solo, you're not too bad. Whatever. Uh, It'll be uh, really helpful for people to find out our pods. All right. So until next time, we'll see you next time on The Film List.